Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all type of shows. The GameTime app has great deals on upcoming games, great selection, easy checkout, pretty much everything you want out of an app, and it's more than just sports. And now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year on December 31st, 2019, so make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. We're going to enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're going to have another team meeting and we're going to get locked in on next year. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast from The Athletic. I'm Nicole Auerbach. She's Grace Rayner. And we are here to talk a little Clemson football, talk a little recruiting, um, but really just trying to pass the time until we get to the national semifinal game against Ohio State. Grace are you hanging in there? Or are you like me, just like counting down the minutes and the hours until we get to this game? So I fly out to Phoenix a week from today. So we're getting close. We like the the time gap is shrinking. So that's good news. Uh, that actually is a good reminder because we need to uh, make sure that our listeners are aware that Grace will be missing Christmas at home. So we're going to need to come up with some ideas of things to do on this podcast on Twitter in text message form, FaceTime, <laughs> whatever, to make Grace feel loved and that she's not alone on Christmas. Now, she'll oh be with gosh. some of our athletic coworkers. You're so but nice. Our listeners, be sure to tweet me, send me some ideas. We've got to make, we've got to go big on this for next week. Um, but before we get to Christmas, because we love Christmas, we love presents, obviously, um, we are going to talk some actual Clemson football. And I guess the biggest thing that has happened since the end of the season, regular season, conference championship game, whatever we call it, is really still Jeff Scott's departure for USF as a head coach. He is staying on through the postseason run. But Grace, what does that look like now that you've actually gotten a chance to talk to Dabo Swinney and kind of get a sense about what that is actually going to look like? Sure. So... The schedule this year, as we know with the playoff, is a little different because conference championships were obviously a week later, which meant prep was expedited a little bit, which has made this situation a little bit trickier for Clemson. But essentially, Jeff Scott has been acting as a head coach at South Florida all through this past week and is going to be doing so, obviously, through signing day of this upcoming week. Um, So really, he gets back to Clemson around – I believe it's Thursday, but Clemson is actually off Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So in terms of actually hands-on practices, workouts, being on the field, that kind of stuff, um, I I really think he's only with Clemson, I believe, at maximum two practice sessions before they head out to Phoenix. So that's definitely a really different situation when you say it out loud. Okay, so then um, what exactly, like outside of the playoff in big picture stuff, What is shifting with Tony Elliott's role? 
So Tony is going to be the solo offensive coordinator, and that doesn't really change things a lot given that obviously we all know Tony is the primary play caller. So that's going to stay normal. Um, there was, I think there was some, some speculation, maybe some thought just based on how Clemson has worked in the past and how Dabo has promoted internally that um, I think some people thought that maybe Brandon Streeter might become a co-offensive coordinator with Tony, mm-hmm. but Tony's going to stay solo. Streeter is going to take on a, a passing game coordinator role, um, and I think Dabo was saying that he's going to drop his recruiting coordinator tag just because that's a lot for him to take on, and they're going to give that to someone else on staff. So Streeter is taking on more responsibility, just not in a co-role because Tony is going to be solo moving forward. Okay, and then one last staffing question. Who is officially taking over as wide receivers coach, and what can you tell us about him? He is – ooh, he is – just two years older than me, so that makes me feel ooh. slightly young, slightly young. Whenever I see, like, you know, young rising coaches get big jobs, I'm like, am I still younger than them? Okay, cool. Then I Yeah, what's the, what's the threshold for young coaches on the rise? Is it, like, under 40? I feel like it's under 35, maybe. All like, right. right? Like, I mean, I think if you get to a head coaching position under 40, that's really young. But I feel like, you know, like a prominent position coach or, like, rising star coordinator i feel like under 35 is like the ooh, you're a wonderkin (laughs) well yes tyler grisham the new wide receivers coach once jeff scott leaves definitely fits that bill he is he's got a pretty cool story i mean Dabo and tyler grisham have known each other for basically all of tyler grisham's life he went to an alabama camp when he was a kid and Dabo was the receivers coach there and he has basically known Dabo for 22 years so uh, just a cool moment for him and his family. Dabo was saying that, you know, it's been a 22-year-long interviewing process, and it was <laughs> a little different seeing him at bowl practice because, you know, Jeff was obviously not at bowl practice on Friday, so you look over at the wide receivers, and Tyler had a whistle on for the first time. He's been an analyst at Clemson for the last six years, and he was throwing tennis balls to, you know, T. Higgins and Justin Ross. He's big monster receivers. So um, it was a different look, but I know one that Clemson is really excited about. And yeah, 32, like that's definitely fills the, fits the bell. And, and again, you know, we're still younger than him. So, you know, we have, we have time to become really successful college football coaches someday. Like we yeah. have some, we what have a position. Have, are you going to coach? Um, it's a good question. Hmm. Um, maybe tight ends. Like, I feel like, um, I like a block, a good blocking tight end. We need to emphasize like that. that. Yeah. Like what that. about, what about you? Um, I might actually say receivers. I feel like I have decent hands. Like not like I would I would have a couple I drops, would, obviously. But, but. You, I would like I would like being a receivers coach, but also like there's some egos there. You gotta manage. That's true. And also quick aside about receivers coach I've always wondered is like how many receivers coach across the country do we think have to have shoulder surgery because of how many balls they throw in practice <laughs> every day? So maybe we don't want to be a receivers coach. What about like O line? Like I feel All like right. let's just be special teams awesome. and just go hang out with the kickers. Uh, okay, fine. We do love we do love. You teams. love a punter. I do. I do love punters. I literally wrote a feature about a long snapper last year. So yes, <laughs> probably special teams is really our special calling. Um, okay, so one other thing, um, we're just basically going through Grace's notebook for anyone who's following along and wants to read what we're talking about as well. Um, Grace, you hit on one of the oddities of this year's calendar schedule. I, I feel like it's probably because of the the double buy slash how early the championship 
or the semifinals are or where the playoff runs. I'm not sure exactly what's causing it, but Clemson had a really compressed um, timeline in, in, in terms of just being able to get out and get in front of recruits. Right. Like, I mean, we're talking about um, because of the conference championship game, it was just a matter of days. Right. Yeah. So that that I think it was such a fascinating part of what Dabo was talking about on Friday. And it was something that I hadn't really thought of. But he was saying, you know, okay, so obviously Clemson gets out and they're recruiting after the ACC championship game. And it's a pretty easy sell to recruits like, hey, sorry, we can't come see you because we're playing for a conference title. But Dabo still is planning on seeing all of the parents by the end of January, which means he's going to go to some hometowns and visit some parents whose kids are already enrolled at Clemson, and he's going to go <laughs> see some high school coaches whose players have already signed. So I don't. I think I just thought the dynamic of that was really funny, and also just kind of shows um, how passionate Dabo is about recruiting. But that was something I didn't even think of that you know DJ Uyunglele and all these people could be on campus, and Dabo is just going to go hang with their parents, right? Like, is that just to you know, catch up, hang out. Like, is like there's not really much to, to glean from that except just, I mean, you're building relationships and all that, right? I guess so, yeah. I mean, I and especially with the high school coaches, that makes sense. But I appreciate it. I just, I just am, am envisioning Dabo sitting <laughs> in these childless living rooms. <laughs> <laughs> like with these poor empty nesters being sad. Their, their right. child is gone. Oh. Um, I know, well, it is pretty sad. Okay, let's talk about some of those um, those early enrollees. It it's it's worth pointing out and reminding everyone. I mean, obviously, our listeners um, follow recruiting and understand this, but I guess we're still calling it the early signing period. But it's really the signing period. I mean, almost all of the top prospects and almost every class everywhere is basically filling up in December now and then it's not real February is just kind of an afterthought and maybe there's a couple of five-star guys that hold out and um, can can kind of weigh decisions as we break but like really the the bulk of everyone's classes will be signed this week and um, Clemson right now and it will probably stay this way is uh, the number one class in the country um, according to 24-7 sports composite um, they've got six five-star players, um, I believe 10 four-star players, just obviously another insane class for Dabo and company. Um, for anyone who is like wondering when they will drop off ever, it is not happening. It is not coming this year. Um, so Grace, I wanted to talk about some of those, some of the biggest names in the class that um, Clemson fans are going to be really excited about uh, heading into I guess, you know, the off season, maybe potentially some true freshman impacts, but really just everyone loves signing day. Everyone loves being excited for the future. So walk me through some of the biggest names. Sure. So the biggest name, obviously, on Clemson's list is the number one player in the nation, Brian Brise, who it comes out of Maryland. He is a defensive tackle. Obviously, Clemson fans are very familiar with him. Um, He is at the top of the list. Um, I spent some time Last week, and we'll have a story up this week about Miles Murphy, who is the number three player in the nation. He is from right outside of Atlanta. He's the top player in Georgia. Um, just a side note, as I'm sure you know, Nicole, and we've talked about this before, it's just Clemson's brand going national just seems to be growing every single year. I mean, this time last year they were signing their first commitment from the state of California since 1991, and this time this year they're going in and – grabbing DJ Uyunglele, who is the best player in the state of California. So mm-hmm. they're just getting really 
almost everyone that they want. Um, I think that we are all waiting to see what Jordan Birch does, and that's obviously towards the top of Clemson's list. He's going to commit on the 19th, so I know Clemson's still looking at him, Justin Flo, those type of things. But, yeah, Clemson got their – Clemson has their dudes, um, and, and they have them from all over. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about DJ Uyunglele. Um Now, the, uh, as you mentioned, top player in the, Cal- in the state of California. Clemson has gone nationally. But really, just let, let, let's talk about where he's going to fit in here. Is, is he the next great Clemson quarterback? I think that is the million-dollar question. I mean, they are certainly uh, – he's certainly going to be groomed to be that. Um, you know, we saw Deshaun come through, and Clemson was saying, you know, this is a once-in-a-generation talent. And then we see Trevor come through. <laughs> Once-in-a-generation like, talent. Oh, the, gener- the generation's like, oh, like 12 months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we see Trevor come through, obviously. And DJ seems to be kind of next in line, and he's really set up nicely – to take over and be the heir apparent with this new redshirt rule. Um, So if that's something that they want to develop him and, you know, let him sit and still get some good time, then he's, he's ready to roll with all of his eligibility come 2021. So I'm not sure exactly how they'll use them. Uh, I'm interested to see kind of how things shake out in that quarterback room, but yeah, certainly he has all the tools and, and seems to be very much next in line. Speaking to your point, let me just read you the first line of the evaluation on 24-7. Big, strong-armed quarterback with generational arm strength. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so funny. I love yeah, it. This word generational is so funny. I mean, it's, it's really not generational if we're talking about literally, like, subsequent players. So another thing that's imp- interesting with him is is his baseball background, right? Yes. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good baseball player and – uh, I'm not he, entirely. Is he potentially going to pursue? Like, are we going to have a Kyler Murray situation on our hands where you've got somebody getting drafted and weighing that decision? Or do we think that this is a football player? That I don't know. And I think that that's something that we'll dig into as he obviously signs his paperwork, commits. I mean, that, that hasn't come up as much, I feel like, recently. Um, but I'm just as curious as everyone else is on that one. I mean, if I'm Major League Baseball, I'm shying away from football players for a long time after, yeah, <laughs> after yeah, what happened with too. Tyler and burning through that. Oh, man. I mean, like, yeah, you got to be pretty sure that that guy wants to play baseball if you're if you're going to do that. Um, what about what about from a from a quarterback, um, just like his raw talent skill set? Does he compare more to a Trevor? Does he compare more to a Deshaun Watson? Like what what could we expect if he is the heir apparent? Um, just stylistically as a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think he's your big arm guy, your your deep ball, your man. I would love to see him with T. Higgins. However, we'll see that him will, with some other. That will <laughs> we'll not see, happen. Whoever we'll see him with some other Clemson, you know, Grace, six foot Grace, five the, tree. The, the generational talent that is after the generational talent that is T. Higgins. We seriously need a new word for this. We should just call it the annual talent. Like, that's not that, no, that it's not offensive. No, that does not sound nearly as exciting. But we do need to come up with a new word for it. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to spend the next couple days on thesaurus.com, and, and I will figure this out for us. Okay, thank you. I really do appreciate that. There was another word that I feel like I'm having deja vu, but I can't remember what it, what it is now. So that renders this point moot. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm looking at 24 seven now, arm strength, 10 size, 10 intangibles, nine accuracy, nine delivery, eight outside the pocket, seven pocket presence, seven mobility, seven. So 
I'm actually interested now to see what they would have ranked Trevor Lawrence in terms of mobility. Yeah, I mean, and and again, that's something that improves and and gets better in the system. Um, Let's switch gears and talk a little bit about Miles Murphy. You mentioned that you spent some time with him last week. Um, Don't give us the whole story. Don't give it all away. But um, tell me what's interesting about him and and what is, you know, we are always looking for those next great, um, you know, defensive players for, for Brent Venables. You know, what is it about him? Miles is truly one of the most fascinating people I think I've ever met. Like, I, I left his high school being like, huh, I don't know that I've ever met anyone like Miles. Um, Clemson fans know this, but he's incredibly smart. He's going to be in Clemson's engineering school. He wants to be an architect. Uh, wow. But just the way he sees things and just the way he thinks, um, he's just – I don't know. I was talking to his his defensive line coach who said – it really did take me four years to figure out how to coach him, and that's not an indictment on him. He just is so cerebral and thoughtful. He just kind of thinks things differently. You know, when you look at your normal high school kid, your normal he's, – he's still 17, so he's still very young. Your normal 17-year-old. I don't know. Miles is just a lot more mature, a lot more um, – I know I just said the word cerebral, but yeah, he just, he's, I, w- I would love to spend a day in Miles' brain because I just think mm. that he's, he's really, really smart. It's interesting that he wants to be an architect. I'll have to tell him that. I thought about doing that through high school, but it's, oh. it's really, it's hard to do in college. You're like in the studio all the time. It's, uh, I'll be yeah. curious to see how that works if he's able to pursue that with the football schedule. Just I, logistically, it just seems so hard. Yeah, I mean, I thought that one of the most interesting parts about that was that even though Tony Elliott did not recruit him, Lemansky Hall recruited him he's, since he's a defensive end, um, but he and Tony did have a conversation about the whole engineering thing at Clemson because hmm. Tony obviously went through it. He was an industrial engineer at Clemson. He kind of understands basically exactly what Miles wants to do. So I thought that was interesting that even though, okay, this is not Tony's direct recruit, they had a pretty nice conversation about how are we going to make sure you can manage all this. Um, can we also, before we discuss a couple more of these recruits, um, there is a familiar name on the list who will be signing in this class. He is one Tyler Venables. Uh, please give me the scouting report, if not scouting report, the family background report of Tyler Venables. So I saw Tyler Venables play this year when I was working on a story oh, yeah. high school yep. coach. So he's actually a high school quarterback. So I'm really interested to see – what he looks like as a DB, um, which Clemson is signing him as a safety. But he, that dude was a baller when I saw him. I mean, you can just tell. I t- it took me about 10 seconds of just watching him, his facial expressions, the way he carried himself. And I was like, this is 100% Brent Venables' son. Just like a total gamer, um, intense. Is he, is, he, is he as crazy on the sidelines? I need to know. Um, that is a great question. Because I don't know. He really – I didn't really see him a ton on the sidelines because – he was. I don't. I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. Yeah, um, I need to. I need to know if he is also going to need his own personal right. back coach. <laughs> like, this is the kind of reporting I need from you, Grace. One of, one of the preferred walk-ons can be Tyler <laughs> Venables' get back coach. Oh yes. Um, so that, that's going to be really cool. Um, that'll be a really cool thing for uh, for Brent Venables moving forward. Um, Grace, any other names or like you said, there's some guys up in the air to pay attention to heading into the signing period. Yeah, I think Birch is the big one. Uh, we saw pictures on Twitter of Dabo at his basketball game in Columbia last week. Uh, same with Lemansky Hall. Um, this is the big one that I think everyone is curious about and it's kind of a unique situation because it's he's 
really kept people in the dark. I mean, this this whole process has been completely shut down. Um, he has not talked to really anyone. Um, his mom and him have have really kept it really private. So I, I think that the in the age of social media and you know sometimes we see some extravagant signings and all that kind of stuff. This is this seems way more um, under wraps and kind of old school in that regard. One other thing um, that I think we should hit on real quick is this class is obviously incredibly strong. We've talked about California. We've talked about Florida. We've talked about all these different places that they've gone. Jeff Scott is a huge part of some of the biggest names in this class. Certainly, there's not like people are not going to decommit because he just took a job at USF. But where is are we most likely to see the impact of his departure moving forward in the recruiting landscape? Yeah, I think it's the state of Florida for sure. Mm. I mean, Jeff has just had, as we we know, and we we heard him talk about in his press conference, he's just had Florida ties his whole life. You know, I mean, this is a guy that went down to Florida and got, I mean, golly, pick your pick your receiver, pick your offensive weapon that he went out and got from the state of Florida. So, um, I'm not sure how. They were, they're really going to approach replacing that. I know that Dabo was asked on Friday if he knew which geographic areas Tyler Grisham would be in charge of, and he had said, like, there's a whole process. We've not gotten into mm-hmm. any of that. Jeff is still our wide receivers coach. So I don't know how they're going to pick up the pieces there, but, yeah, Florida to me is a huge hit for them. Yeah, absolutely. And and Demarcus Bowman is, is you know, an example of that, number two in the state, um, and he will be uh, joining Clemson's class. Um, Grace, before we go, um, walk us through what other storylines are important to keep an eye on as we wait for the semifinal and we wait for the teams and you to get to Arizona. Um, is there anyone who's banged up, anyone coming back, anything interesting, um, that we should be on the lookout for? The biggest thing I'm on the lookout for is that Braden Galloway should be officially eligible after his year long suspension for her failing now- the drug tests. Is that is yeah? Is that exactly? Is it exactly like three hundred and sixty-five days? I believe so. Yes, because we found out about it on Christmas Eve, but it is a calendar suspension, and he's eligible. Uh, yesterday, December fifteenth, would have been his three hundred sixty-five okay. day. Yes. Okay, and so, and what do you expect? Like, is has he been around the team this whole time? Like, what what do you expect? Yeah, so he's been doing a lot of work on scout team, which, um, as we as we know, Brent Venables is the scout team quarterback. So, in the words of Dabo Sweeney, Brent's been grinding him up on the scout team. So, <laughs> um, but man, you just you just look at him, and he he just looks the part of of, of the tight end that Clemson wants him to be. I, I I would not be surprised at all to see them maybe draw something up for him. I mean, teams have no film on him at all because of mm-hmm. this failed drug test. You know, he's at, he was out for an entire year when he failed for Osterine. So um, that's the thing I'm most curious about is, okay, what does he look like after not having been in the game in over a year? And then, you know, Clemson hasn't really had a pass catching tight end since 2016. Do you want to roll the dice here on Braden and big risk, big reward type situation? Or... I don't know. Play it safe. Yeah. Let JC Chalk continue doing his thing. I'm not sure how they use him. I think is 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 really interesting. Yeah, I was just going to say that that's really the one position group that um, you know, if you're looking for areas of potential weakness in Clemson's offense, that would be one where yes. you know they are not beating you with their tight ends, and no, um, that could be really interesting. Just add another weapon for uh, for Trevor Lawrence. And um, one other thing that has happened since we have last spoke is the Heisman Trophy. 
uh, has been awarded to Joe Burrow. We both voted for him. Were you surprised that, A, that Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne both did finish in the top 10? Um, and were you surprised where they finished, that they were so low, kind of really so far out of consideration? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. Just the number of people that watch Clemson is low, you know, when they're blowing people out. So I I think they should have been higher. I don't know that I'm surprised that they weren't. I think what surprised me the most was that Jalen Hurts was number two. We've, we both Same. talked about him yes. last week. I mean, we just both thought – I don't think either one of us were sold on him, and neither one of us voted for him. Um, that, that uh, in terms of genuine surprise, I would say that was probably what caught me most off guard. Yes. And, um, you know, now that it's all over, we can also say that our ballots, which are the same because protect the rock solidarity team, team. um, <laughs> we both voted Joe Burrow, number one, Chase Young, number two, and Travis Etienne, number three. So we did, we did our part. We, we tried to get a Clemson. I, I just kept thinking, even watching the ceremony back, like, if Clemson goes on, wins a national championship, back-to-back, you know, three and four years, like, and we look at the individual talent on this roster, and then we look back and are like, there was no Heisman finalist from this roster? Like, I just kept thinking that as I was, you know, weighing that third-place vote, which could have gone in a number of different directions. Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Chuba Hubbard, anyone. And I just kept thinking there's so much individual talent on this Clemson roster that people are taking for granted and I just felt like we had I had to vote for Travis Etienne yeah I mean I think this offense is so loaded that I think it's easy to lose sight of how talented these individuals are because you just go on down the list oh Trevor obviously duh T Higgins duh Justin Ross right. you know Travis Etienne and a lot of these other guys are obviously the heart and soul of their offense well Clemson has arguably four hearts and souls of their offense Yep, and and again, this is the one thing Dabo's correct on. Like the players have not gotten the individual accolades that they deserve. T. Higgins should have been a Belichick finalist. Doak Walker should have had Travis Etienne as a finalist. All of those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, finishing seventh and eighth in the Heisman voting, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. But but I'm with you. I mean, I think we obviously by our voting showed that we we thought at least one of them should have been a little bit higher. Um, and, you know, it'll be it'll be certainly interesting to see how much preseason highs and hype Trevor will get coming into next year, probably similar to uh, to what he had this year. Before we go, it is Monday. We always give out roses on Mondays because we love The Bachelor so much. We are counting down the days until it is back in our lives. I would like to give my rose to a very special person. Grace, are you ready for this? I am. I forgot about this segment. I'm like, oh, shoot. Who am I going to give this to? You can give the rose to me. It's okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I am giving my rose to Al. Oh, Al Rayner, <laughs> who is the best. He is oh, my a gosh. cheerleader of our podcast. And also, he may or may not have <laughs> snapped a photo of Grace while recording this podcast on Sunday night. And for that, Al, <laughs> my man, you get a rose this week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Parents, man, they're seriously the best. <laughs> my dad loves photography. And I, as soon as I saw him walk in the kitchen, I was like, oh, here yes. we go. Yes. <laughs> profile picture. I feel it. I oh, feel my it. gosh. That's so funny. He's going to be so happy, man. <laughs> my mom's going to be so jealous. Um, okay. Well, you know what? I'll just flip. I'll just flip the table and give my rose to your parents who took a picture <laughs> with our coworker Chris Benini at the Army Navy game this weekend. They did. They did. They were very excited. It was their first Army Navy experience. Um, I got them tickets for Father's Day, 
and our coworker Chris was covering Army Navy for the first time, his first Army Navy experience. They all met up, hung out, talked about the fact that Chris has like 30 dogs that live in his house and had a great little, took a great little selfie to send to our group chat. So um, parents, the real MVP, they all get our roses. Hunter Renfro, you get a rose too because you can't go a week without it. And you're kind of everyone's dad. We love you, Hunter. <laughs> That's it for today's episode of Protect the Rock. We will be back on Thursday for subscribers only. You can find us inside the Athletic app, and we'll talk to you then. Thanks. <laughs>